I'll just pray. Father, I want to thank you that you're a God who loves us and your heart is for us. I want to pray for Naomi as she speaks, that you would fill her with your spirit. Help her to speak your words and for your words to reach our hearts. I pray for all of us that we would open our hearts today to hear from you and hear all that you're doing and that you want to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, put it on your to-do list, Nick. You need to mend this lectern. If my notes fall off in the middle of this talk, it's, it's Nick's fault for not doing it. <laughs> this thing keeps fly, sliding down. Anyway, there we go. You can all remind him, all right? <laughs> so it seems like a long time ago now, but I hope you all had a joy-filled and peaceful Christmas, whatever you were doing. And as a church, I feel so proud. I probably shouldn't feel proud because it's probably sinful, but anyway. But I do feel so proud of all the events um, the different events that we put on during the season. Um, I'm not great at numbers, but I estimate, uh, and Nick thinks I'm being conservative, that through the different things we did over Christmas, um, more than 400 people in Didcot will have heard something of the good news of Jesus coming to earth, whether it was through the Coffee and Kids Christmas party, the carol service, the live nativity, carol singing in the pubs, um, or of course our Christmas Day gathering here. And on behalf of the eldership team, I would like to say thank you to everyone who got involved in any of those events, because um, they are all um, team efforts. Um, so we've... <laughs> I'm already losing my notes. Right, I'll just throw them off when I finish with them. Um, so we've got to the new year, and as ever, it seems like a good idea to stop and refocus on our church vision. Um, as we look ahead to, to this coming year. And I don't know about you, but great as all these Christmas events were, um, we got to Christmas Day absolutely exhausted. Um, and I'm not complaining, because as I say, I think it's so exciting that uh, we were able to sow the seeds of the good news of Jesus into so many people's lives. But I also think that there are times when, um, you know, we've given out a, a lot as a church or as individuals in all sorts of ways, whether it's special Christmas events um, that we've been talking about or the more regular, um, sometimes mundane things like serving on the coffee rotor or, you know, the kids' work or, or set up, whatever it is, um, when we need to remind ourselves why we're doing the things that we do. Okay, so next week, Nick's going to, uh, to look in more detail at, at what our church vision is and, and uh, what our aims are and what that means in practical terms. But this week, we're just going to take some time out um, to think about why we're here as a church and why we do what we do. So Jesus, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we're going to take Jesus up on that offer to come to him and find rest this morning. <laughs> when, um, when Jesus' friend Mary chose to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to him teaching, uh, rather than busying herself with the chores that her sister Martha was, was getting on with, Jesus said she'd made the right choice. So let's put ourselves in Mary's place this morning and listen to what Jesus has to teach us. So we're going to read a story um, that Jesus told. If you'd like to borrow a Bible, um, then wave a hand and perhaps Lee, I don't know. You're, oh, no, look, no, don't worry, Lee, Kevin's getting up. <laughs> Kevin will put one in your hand. Um, it's Luke chapter 15. If you 
are borrowing one of these Bibles, it's page 788. Or if you just want to sit and listen, I will now read to you. (laughs) So page 788, Luke chapter 15 and beginning, (laughs) I haven't written it down, I think it must be verse 11. Are you sitting comfortably? Then I will begin. Uh, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, know that feeling, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I'll set out, go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his father, sorry, ran to his son, (laughs) threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what's going on. Well, your brother has come, he replied. And your father's killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found I'll trust I'm not doing anything with this PowerPoint. There we go. <laughs> so this is, this is probably my favourite story 
in the whole of the Bible, um, because it tells us so much about the Father's heart, and that's the first thing we're going to think about this morning, about how God um, welcomes sinners like you and me uh, when we turn back to him. And if you you look back at the beginning of um, Luke chapter 15, you can see who Jesus was telling this story to, and perhaps one of the unusual things about Jesus as a religious leader was that the people he attracted were the sort of people you wouldn't expect to darken the doors of a church, Um, the tax collectors and sinners, as Luke puts it. Um, But as well as the sinners, inverted commas, sinners, um, Jesus is telling this story to the self-righteous religious people who were criticising him for hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. And what I love about this story is that Jesus, he doesn't just answer their criticism, showing the father's compassion for sinners who repent. But with that bit at the end with the eldest son, he actually gently invites the self-righteous religious people who are criticising him to repent and also to come and enjoy the father's love as well. So whatever our situation in life, wherever we're at in our walk with God, um, Jesus presents each of us with that same invitation come into the Father's love. So this, this story traditionally is, is called the, um, the parable of the prodigal son. Um, Tom Wright, uh, who used to be the Bishop of Durham, is that right? I've got, yeah. Um, uh, in his book, uh, oh, I can't remember what it's called, Luke for Everyone, that's what it's called. He suggests that this parable actually ought to be called the parable of the running father, um, which is where my title for today came from. I mean, we, we get, don't we, that the son is a bit shocking. He goes off and he's wild. And, you know, the listeners to Jesus telling this story will have thought, oh, my goodness, how awful. What, what we can miss a little bit because, because of the differences in our culture is actually how shocking the father's behaviour is. Um, and to really understand what Jesus is telling us about God, we have to understand how shocking the father is. So the first thing we see him doing in verse 12 is listening to his son's request and dividing the property. Now, a bit of background information. If you happen to have an NIV study Bible, you can look in the note and it will tell you this, that a father in Jesus' time, he might divide the inheritance but retain the income from it until his death. So that might happen. But to actually give a younger son his portion of the inheritance upon request was highly unusual. Inherited land was a huge part of of Jewish culture, a part of their share in the the God-given promised land um, that was meant to be passed down from generation to generation and and kept in the family. Um, So Tom Wright, again in, in his book, Luke for Everyone, he tells us that the shame that the younger boy selling off the family land to raise cash Uh, would bring on the family, would be added to the shame that the son had already brought on the father by asking for his share before the father's death. It was the equivalent of saying, I wish you were dead. So an expected response in that culture would be for the father to beat his son or to throw him out, cut him off. But this father defies all expectations. Instead of rejecting his son, He allows him the freedom to make his own choices, even though it causes him, the father, shame. Later in the story, when the son 
makes his plans to come back. We as listeners are surely meant to think that his plan is wildly optimistic after all he's done. You know, after all the shame he's already brought on, on his father, um, he can hardly expect to be allowed to return, you know, his decline right down to feeding the pigs, which again, if you know, think about Jewish culture, um, pigs were unclean. And so, you know, this was, this was the depths. He couldn't have got any lower. Um, but again, this father is full of surprises. Uh, Tom Wright, again, says that in a culture where senior figures are far too dignified to run anywhere, <laughs> my kids will get this. If they ever see me running, they can't, they just laugh. But anyway, um, it's not to do with dignity, but anyway. <laughs> Sorry, getting back to this. In a culture where senior figures are far too dignified to run anywhere, this man takes to his heels as soon as he sees his young son dragging himself home. What an incredible father. He breaks all the rules. Instead of rejecting this son who's brought him nothing but disgrace, um, this father shames himself further and runs to welcome the son home. He throws his arms around him. He kisses him. He dresses him in the best robe, gives him a ring and sandals. And all those different things um, were symbolic in that culture of position and acceptance. And he throws a huge party, the fattened calf. I mean, that was the ultimate thing. Now, it's easy for us, if we're familiar with this story, um, to feel like the elder brother's response is a bit grumpy and unreasonable, really. Um, but probably Jesus' audience would have seen nothing wrong with his response. He's watched his brother bring their father nothing but shame and heartache and presumably reduce their financial situation as well. And now his father is doing the unthinkable and welcoming this reprobate home. And the point of this in Jesus' story, just remember that, that he is responding to the self-righteous religious people's criticism of him for associating with sinners. This is how Father God welcomes home people who turn back from going their own way and go God's way. Why? Because they were lost and are found. They were dead, but are now alive. This is like Ian was talking about people being who are harassed and helpless. This is how much people matter to God. With the younger son, he runs to embrace him and welcome him home. And with the elder son, he goes out and pleads with him. And in both cases, we get this sense of, of how desperate this father is to have his sons with him and in good relationship with him and with each other. You know, Jesus couldn't have emphasized this more, really, than by telling this shocking, shocking story. And this is why Jesus' final command to the disciples, passed down to all disciples since, including us here today, was to go and make disciples um, so that lost people can be found. Um, so people who are, are dead in their sins, like we were, can be made alive in Jesus. And it, it isn't a numbers game. It's not about you know, getting bums on seats on a Sunday morning. It's about sons and daughters coming home to the Father, coming to know and experience for themselves the lavish love that the Father pours out onto us, 
no matter where we've been. Jesus saw crowds and he had compassion on them. There's no one beyond God's reach. And, and this is surely our own story if, if we're Christians here this morning. Haven't each of us experienced that incredible love and grace from the Father when we turned from going our own way and started to go God's way? Or perhaps we've forgotten our first love, as John puts it to the church in Ephesus. If you haven't ever experienced that, um, or indeed if, if you have but your love has grown cold, the invitation is there for, for you still, for all of us. Come home to your Father. Live in his love and his grace. I wonder what makes you feel like uh, you're disqualified from the Father's grace. Because I think we all have stuff that, that we think you know, will hold us back. You know, how bad do you think you are? <laughs> because the message of this story is surely that there are no bounds, no bounds to God's love and forgiveness if we'll simply come home and go God's way. God's heart is for people. He loves us so much. So moving on, we're going to think now about the Father's business. So we've seen um, God's heart for people. How does that impact us here at King's? Um, Earlier in Luke's gospel, Luke tells us of an occasion when um, Jesus as a boy, age 12, got lost in Jerusalem by his parents. He wasn't lost, but they didn't know where he was, if you see what I mean. Anyway, um, Mary and Joseph eventually find him in the temple, debating with the religious, um, the religious people there. And, and he says to them, it's slightly different depending on which Bible translation you use. Um, I, I don't know Greek, so I don't understand it, but apparently it could be translated either way. We're going with this translation. He says, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? And in John's gospel, um, in chapter five, as an adult, Jesus says, uh, the son, talking about himself, um, can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. So Jesus defined his ministry as being about the father's business. Um, that was his job, if you like, to do that. Um, it, it wasn't just a job, of course. He, he's careful to point out the love that he and the Father have for each other, uh, which is the driving force uh, behind what he does. But if, if we skip ahead into John, further into John's Gospel, into chapter 20, so quite near the end of it, after Jesus has risen from the dead, he says to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Receive the Holy Spirit. So our job now, as Jesus' disciples, is to do what Jesus did, to be about the Father's business, with his spirit in us, filling our hearts with his love. So what is it that the Father does? Well, coming back to our story in Luke, um, Jesus tells two other stories, also in chapter 15 of Luke, um, alongside the story of the prodigal son, the lost sheep and the lost coin. And you can read those later, we're not going to read them now. But both stories tell us that God looks for lost people. 
to find them, just like the younger son in our story. So to be about the father's business means looking for lost people, showing them the father's love and grace, telling them that the invite is for them to come home to the father. So that's, that's why we're here as a church in Didcot, working alongside the other churches in our town as well. As lost people who've been found ourselves, we want to show other people the way home to help them discover the outrageous love and grace of the Father. It was great to hear um, Esty's story this morning, wasn't it? Um, which is, is expressing that, that sense of you know, God reaching out to that, that man, that lost man at the moment because he wants him to be found. Okay. Finally, we're just going to think about the father's children. As I said earlier, one of the things I find so beautiful about this story is the message that Jesus sent through it, actually to the self-righteous religious people who were listening on, as well as the sinners. I think I probably identify with with both groups at different times. I think I do both things. But anyway, he didn't leave these self-righteous religious people unchallenged. You know, he confronted them with the love and compassion of, of God. But he also didn't reject them or condemn them at all. And I think this message is just as important for us as the message the younger son sends. So the younger son teaches us that God welcomes sinners with lavish love and grace. Um, And that is our experience when we come to him. The elder son teaches us that God invites religious people who've lost their way, who've lost sight of the Father's love, to also live in that lavish love and grace. The Father loves both sons, and he wants them both to dwell in his love. And the elder son has somehow missed this. He's worked hard, really hard. He's been faithful. He's slaved away, as he puts it, and tried to do the right thing. But he's forgotten the father's love. He thinks he has to work hard to earn that love, not realizing that the father already loves him more than he can possibly imagine. And I wonder if that message speaks to some of us today. You know, we work hard trying to do the right thing um, because we want to earn the Father's approval, perhaps each other's approval as well. But we're not working in the firm knowledge of his love for us. And the reality of that is there is no joy in working like that. I speak from experience. Um, Hard work, which is done out of duty, is a heavy weight on your shoulders. Hard work which is done out of love, working alongside the one who loves you so much, um, is a much easier burden to carry. This is the difference between a slave and a son. I love the fact that we sang that song earlier, um, Rob, that that I'm no longer a slave to fear, I'm a child of love. Um, Because that's a bit of a theme in this story. A, A slave works hard because he must. A son works with the Father because of his love, um, knowing that he is loved and knowing that the Father loves other people. The the sandals that the Father gives to the younger son, um, they're a symbol of sonship 
because sons wore sandals where slaves went barefoot. Um, so, you know, him giving the son those, those sandals was, was part of the way he was saying, you are still my son, you're not coming back as a hired worker, you're coming back as my son. Um, but the elder son, who, you know, in some ways knows he is a son, he hasn't done anything wrong, but he actually sees himself as a slave. I've slaved away for you all this time. The father wants us to work with him, to be about his business. But he wants us to do that, understanding we are sons and daughters. By the way, in biblical terms, um, Jesus' women disciples are given the status of sons because in Jesus' time it was sons who had all the rights. So don't feel disqualified if we're talking about sons and not daughters. Um, we're included in that, um, which was another shocking thing that Jesus did. But anyway, yes. <laughs> Notice the result for the elder son of, of not understanding the father's love for himself. Not only is he angry, bitter and unhappy in himself, he also can't find any love for his brother. He only feels anger towards him. And if, if we're going to be about the, the father's business of loving each other, seeking and loving lost people, um, we need to do that knowing that we are lavishly loved ourselves. So why do we do what we do here at King's Church? It's all about the Father's love. And we're going to take some time now to reflect on all of this. Um, where are you in this story today? Are you like the younger son, going your own way, but realizing that you need to come back to the Father? Are you like the elder son, seeing yourself more as a slave than as a son? working hard but with no joy in it? Uh, do you feel that there are things you've done which mean that the Father God, Father God will never accept you? Or perhaps you can listen to this story today and just enjoy it because you have understood the Father's heart for you and for the people around you and you're happily working with the Father about his business. Um, wherever you are in this story today, um, we're going to listen in a moment to a song called The Father's Song by Matt Redman. And while it's playing, um, I just want to encourage you to do business with God. Um, don't worry about your neighbour, what they're thinking or doing. Uh, just take this opportunity to talk honestly with the Father and where you need to, to put things right with him. Um, so we're going to listen to the song now and then I will finish by praying. to a thousand tongues but there is one that sounds above them all the father's song the father's love you sung it over me and for eternity it's written on my heart Heaven's perfect melody The Creator's symphony You are singing over me The 
Father, I want to thank you that you are here with us this morning. I want to thank you for the work you're doing in each of our hearts, for the incredible love that you have for each one of us. I want to thank you for your outrageous grace, for your shocking behaviour, that you would welcome sinners like us back as your sons and your daughters. I want to thank you for the incredible love you have for us, even when our love has grown cold and we've got more into slave mindset than sonship. You still love us and call us to come back to you 
and to dwell in your love. Father, I pray that by your spirit you would um, be at work in each of us and that you would continue the work that you have begun in us and bring it to completion. Thank you, Lord. There's just one more thing I wanted um, to give us the opportunity to do uh, as we finish. Um, just as it's the beginning of the year, and um, you know, we've, we've thought this morning about the Father's love for us, but we've also heard the challenge to be about the Father's business. Um, not because we have to, but because his love draws us and compels us to work with him. And as we start this new year, I thought it would be good for any of us who are willing, which might be all of us, but it might not be, um, just to settle the issue right at the beginning of the year and to commit ourselves to being about his business this year. So if you are willing to do that, and that's what you want to do, to express that, would you stand? And I'm just going to pray over us again, um, whether it's a first-time decision to work alongside the Father or an umpteenth-time decision. Let's pray. Father, here we are. Send us. We love you because you loved us. Um, your love is amazing, and we couldn't live without you. And uh, just as you've changed our lives, you sought, sought us and found us. You made us alive again when we were dead in our sins. Lord, we want to be part of, of what you're doing in other people's lives as well. And we say, Lord, here we are. Send us. Thank you, Father. Amen. I am aware that um, for some people, this will have stirred up some sort of deep issues. You know, that whole sort of, does the Father really love me? Um, Rejection is a big issue, bigger than you, more common than you would think. Um, and I just want to say, I, I will hang around at the end, and if you would like to, um, me to pray with you, I would love to do that. It's a journey I've been on myself. We have an enemy, Satan, who would love you to stay in that place of rejection. But the Father's will for you is to dwell securely in his love forever. So do come and pray if you would like that. <laughs>